So when I was younger, so I was born here, I moved to England when I was seven years old. I moved to England when I was seven years old and all my life I've been called Adeolu, so I wanted to be called Adeolu. When I got there, no one could pronounce my name and it got very annoying. So I decided to be called by my Christian name, which is Joseph. I got really used to being called Joseph. So I kept it on. When I was 11, I moved back to Nigeria because my older siblings were going to boarding school and I was not yet. In my parents' side, they were like, let's wait till your secondary school age and then you'll go to boarding school. So I moved back to Nigeria and I had been called Joseph the whole time. So I said, I'm Joseph. Everybody started mocking me and teasing me. Now when I come back to Africa, I'm calling myself Joseph. And you know, for the first year that I was in Nigeria, I wasn't very confident. I was probably I felt I was teased a lot. I didn't really know much about my name. And when I say that, I mean my entire name. So Joseph Adeolu Adefarasen. I remember I went on a school trip to Lekki Conservation Center. And one of my teachers, she told me, do you know who your granddad was? Your granddad, Adefarasen, is a very important name. And he was, the first, he was the chief judge of Lagos State, known for having, uh, for being humble, known for justice. And it's the first time I ever heard that. I didn't know who my granddad was. He died before I was born. But it gave me a lot of pride. And it was the first time I ever had something to attach to my name that actually, to me, added value. Beyond a name, it was just a name. And so I took a lot of pride in the fact that my granddad was Chief Justice. He was also the first African head of the International Red Cross. And so all these things, they started to give me personal pride in the name. It gave me value to understanding the reason behind my name. When I moved back to England, over the years, my dad, my uncles established themselves in business street. And a name that becomes so synonymous with justice and now becomes so synonymous with faith. And these were things that would give me pride in my name. When I was in England, nobody really cared because they didn't know me. But I come home and then people, you know, there'd be a, a care because they'd seen significance of people investing in the faith. And it was a thing that gave me pride. But one thing that I realized is it started to affect the way I lived in that I cared. There are certain things I would not do because I didn't want to ruin my father's name. I didn't want to embarrass my father's name. But the problem was that while I wouldn't do certain things not to affect my father's name because I cared, I didn't have a personal relationship with God. I spent so much of my life attaching my relationship with God to my father's relationship with God. You know, discerning my position in the spirit according to my father's position in the spirit and they're not the same thing so when I was gosh how old was I when I was 22 I had a bleed in the back of my eye and it gave me a vitreous hemorrhage so that the bleed wouldn't settle by itself so eventually I had to have surgery on it when I had surgery on my eye, it had loads of different effects, negative side effects after. 
And I remember my mom had flown for the surgery and she was in England with me. And I remember that I, I, I knew the prayers to pray for the songs to sing. And I find myself singing the songs my mom was singing because she was singing the personal relationship. Just after that, I moved to America. And you know, England to us sometimes feels like just here. England and Nigeria, same time zone. It feels like when there's like when you have a problem, like when I had the bleed in my eye, my dad got on the flight that night. It felt like there was just such proximity, we were just so close. And I think because of that, I started to, I was so, I leaned so much on their relationship with God, I didn't develop my own. When I moved to America, there's time difference. No one is jumping on a plane tonight. And it forced me into a place where I had to develop my own personal relationship with God. Because we need to realize that we're going to get to a point in this life. You know, there's something that your father's name can do. It might be able to open a door. When you get in that room, you have to stand by yourself. When you get to the Father in the day of the Lord. He's not going to assign you a position in the Spirit based on somebody else's position. It's going to be what God commissioned you to do and He's going to ask you, did you fulfill your assignment? And some of us might feel like we did, but we never knew. And so God really began to just highlight this to me in the last couple of weeks. There's so many people who are attaching their position in the spirit based on somebody else. And it's about you, not your daddy. I look at the scripture, there's so many beautiful examples that I find of this. Some that would encourage us and some that will. put us in a position where we begin to have to look at ourselves. It was last month my father came to preach here at Ignite and he said, he gave us this scripture from, from Habakkuk 2 verse 4. It says, Behold the proud his soul is not upright in him but the just shall live by his faith. His faith. That your standard of living and the things you attain and you walk into in your life, they come by your faith. They come by where you stand in relationship with God. They come by what you have learned and encountered in the place of relationship. They come by things that you have learned when you enter into the secret place for yourself. Not the things you heard the things that changed you on the inside, that caused you to move differently. And this is so sharply seen. You know, I find it so funny because I think about it and I think, I think about myself. And it's funny how sometimes you begin to walk with a confidence that does not belong to you. You believe to walk with a confidence. And it's funny because people honor that confidence when the person that is assigned that authority is next to you. If I go somewhere with my father, there's a respect that might even be given to me simply because I'm in his presence. But if you take the man away, they 
respect you the same way. And this is what the Pharisees were walking like. It, it, it's, it's insane that we begin to delude ourselves. Sometimes you begin to see off. Because you're so caught up in a lie. The Pharisees, Jesus was speaking to them and he said, that then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And they responded and they said, we are descendants of Abraham. We have never been in bondage to anybody. How shall you say that you will set us free? That's delusion. Because these same Pharisees that are saying this right now, as they were standing where they were standing, that nation was under the captivity of Romans. That entire nation, the Romans had come and taken territory. Right then they were captive. But they had deluded themselves to the position of their father Abraham. Abraham was not a captive. Abraham did not seek captivity. But his descendants were stuck in a nation for 400 years as slaves. And there are people who are stuck in a position. And the reason they don't get out is because their eyes refuse to see what their current situation is. This is a problem, I've spoken about this before, that we're existing in this country. Forever we say we are the giants of Africa. And when we first said it, we were. But we have been descending for years because we have been deluding ourselves by our position of the fathers, the ones that were before us. While we have been going and our lives have been sinful, our lives have been filled with degradation, we've gotten so caught up with the vanities and the things of this world that this nation has become engulfed in corruption. But we're still claiming the same position that we have. And will you ever walk in the things that God has for you if you're busy lying to yourself? These are the lies that we tell us when people say they're not feeling well and you go outside your natural response and well. You cannot walk in the things that God has for you until you recognize your position. Versus them, while God is eternally merciful, there are people who don't enter into the mercy of God. Not because they don't need God's mercy, but because until you come to Him with a broken and a contrite heart, until you recognize your weakness, until you recognize your personal flaw, until you recognize, hey, my voice just chested up, what up? <laughs> until you recognize where you are until you see yourself truly you can't change that says that in our weakness his strength is made known you must first see that you are weak if but when Jesus answered and questioned him and he was wondering why is it that he's sitting with these why is it that he's sitting with these sinners he said that look why would somebody die for the righteous why would somebody die for that who does not need it? And if in our eyes we're strong, until we have broken down and seen the error in our ways, until we realize, oh God, I cannot do it without you, our lives can't change. He's waiting, hungry to give us his mercy, to cover us. But he's waiting for people that will say, Lord, I need you. I can't do it without you. Who am I? I have no capacity on the inside of me to give anything. And I know that everything you've called me to, I can only walk in it if you do it. But none of us are doing that. We're too busy pretending to ourselves. You know who I 
Father is. When John the Baptist came and he said, prepare the way of the Lord. And many came to be baptized. He saw the Pharisees coming and he said, you brood of vipers. Who warned you? Who warned you of the wrath to come? Therefore, live a life worthy of repentance. Bear the fruits worthy of repentance. He said, you are a people who have been poisoning the wealth, sowing lies because you think you are upright in yourself. And that we must learn to live a life worthy of the repentance that you want. It's not simply that you become baptized in water, your life must change. Because the Bible says that Jesus, in the same way he said, so he said, brood of vipers, that can a good, a good tree only bring up good fruit, and a bad tree will bring up bad fruit. This is the nature of the way that we work. And if you do not recognize who you are, where your standing is, begin to change in alignment with that. Cannot enter into the covering of the kingdom of God. Cannot enter into the covering of the kingdom of God. Then he said to them, that do not say that because we are descendants of Abraham. For I assure you that the Lord God can raise up stones as seeds of Abraham. It's not about who your daddy is. It's about who you are. In fact, the way that God sees descendancy, the way he sees lineage, is not work the same way that we do. It doesn't work the way that we see our descendants. If it did, then he failed to do what he's promised to do. He promised that Jesus would come through the lineage of David. Jesus came through the lineage of David through Joseph, a man who had no part in his birth. Because it was an angel that visited Mary. And in fact, at the time that Mary became pregnant, they had not even married but God does not see lineage simply by blood. He sees it by faith. He sees it by where your heart is. In the book of Galatians 3, Galatians 3, he says in verse 26 to 29, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither love, nor, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ Jesus, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God has a, 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 a track record of viewing the kingdom like this. When he spoke to Abraham and said that bring to me to sacrifice your only son, Isaac. We all read the Bible and we look at it and we read it and we accept it. But we know that there was Ishmael. But the Bible does not work like that. The kingdom of God does not work like that. It's not simply because you are born to a man, you are suddenly that person seen. It's why when the woman... Uh, the Canaanite woman came to the, to, to, the t to the table of the Lord and she was begging and saying, have mercy on me. And even the Jews around were like, why are you talking to this woman? She is not one of us. 
And the Lord too, he went along with it. Jesus said that, look, I cannot give food that is meant for the sons to the dogs. But she said, even the dogs eat that which falls off the master's table. He said that if there are those who will reject what you have, why can we not take the food? We that hunger for it, we that have an appetite for your kingdom, we that have an appetite for your word, we that are hunger for your kingdom, will partake in it. And he said because of that that she was made whole. He said because of that you have been made whole. Why? Because she had faith. And because of that it automatically brought her into inheritance and alignment with the kingdom of God. Where are we? What are the lives that we are living? How are we walking? How are we coming into the promise of the kingdom of God? There are certain hardships that we will go through in life. And a lot of us, our tendencies when we go through any hardship is to curse or to say that the Lord has forsaken us or to say that the enemy is attacking us. There's a thing that happens for any person, any person, it's one of my old favorite scriptures. That was says that an heir as long as he is still a child differs not from a slave. Because when you're still a child and you haven't come into sonship, you, you tend to live a life that says you do what you're told. Right? It's the life that you do what you're told, but you don't understand. I had an example of this recently. It's one of the, the house ops that works for my, for my parents. And they realized at some point that she had a load of new masks. She had to come asking for new masks. She said, why? Where did you get them from? He said, oh, we just took one people have been wearing and washed them. And so there are people that do what they're meant to do, but they don't understand why they're meant to do it. And this is what it's like to be a child because you have no, you have had no education in what you're meant to do. So they are wearing masks that people have worn. And it's meant to be protecting you from what they might have. But because you don't know, you're doing the right thing, but without any intellectual, spiritual understanding or revelation. And so many of us, that's how we are, we are in the kingdom. We will keep the commandments because we're meant to keep the law. We have zero revelation of what it is. So the Bible says that as long as a child is an heir is still a child, he is no different from a slave because he simply obeys commands, but he does not have revelation of who he is. This is very evident in the story of the parable son. The parable of the lost son. I say the story of the parable, the story of the prodigal son. Right? So his brother has been diligent, obedient, consistent, present, but he's had zero revelation of who he is. Meanwhile, the prodigal son has gone and he has forsaken everything, lost everything, wasted everything he has. But then he came to a revelation at that point of what it was to be in the home of his father. And so even though he departed, he knew what he was entitled to. He knew the possessions that he had. And so he said, I'll go back to my father's house. Meanwhile, his brother gets angry when he sees him being fed the battle calf because he did not know that he had entitlement. When his father comes, when he comes back and he's angry, he refuses to even go into his father. His father has to come to him. And then he says, why did you do this for me? And his father told him that everything in this place is yours. 
wanted it, you could just have told them to kill the first calf. And so there are people who are walking and they're doing the Christian thing, but no revelation, so no fruit. And this is what happens. This is why you see most businesses in Nigeria fail as second generation because the people that they put in charge, the father has put his son in charge, but there's zero revelation in the son of how to actually run the business. And meanwhile, there's somebody in the business that will bring it up while because if the master rejects it, the dogs will eat. And so we go through hardship sometimes and we don't realize why. But the son will never step into sonship and will perpetually remain a child if he does not go through things that burn him up in fire. That go through the fire and shape him to become who he's meant to be. But some of us, we go through the fire and we're not shaped because we spend our entire time in the fire complaining. Not realizing what it is that God is trying to show you or teach you to make you who he called you to be. And God doesn't take chances. He's not a man of, of he's, he's not a man that he, he, would, he would do anything and be uncertain of the result. There's a promise over your life. A promise over your life that could not be fulfilled by your father. And you want to add that weight and that burden to the generation after you. Because you don't want to stand up. Because you don't want to let the, the shaping of the kingdom of God, the fire of his word, shape you. When he says his word shall not return to him void. You think if God's word over your life came to you and you're not ready to fulfill it, his word will just go back. No, his word will continue to burn inside of you until it forces you to become the person you need to be. Joseph went through so many different trials and testings because the word needed him to be who he was meant to be. So that he, he could be the one that would cover and help this nation be protected. The word might have come to Abraham, but the word was for Joseph. Four generations later, he probably wouldn't even have heard as much of it as he could have because his brothers despised him. So if he was in the room, they weren't there. They tortured him, bullied him, threw him into a, into a well, sold him into slavery. Then he gets distance from everything. But God is shaping him with that word. God is putting him in a refiner's fire to become who he needs to be. To walk in the fulfillment of God's promise. And then you look at people who do not have any attachment. I mean, I love the story of uh, Matthew 8. The um, commander, let me just go to Matthew 8 quickly. Right, I don't want to read the whole thing. But Jesus in, Cap in Capernaum and a centurion, right? He's a member of the Roman army. Comes and his son is not well. And he asks Jesus that if he's willing, you can heal him. And Jesus is ready to go and heal him, and he shows faith like Christ has never seen. There's something we need to recognize it is possible to wow the Spirit of God. Like it's possible to wow him. 
it's possible to walk in a kind of faith and a kind of boldness that would cause God to look at you. When when this happens in the book of Acts 10 with the um, um, with the Roman soldier, God, people are shocked and in awe. It says the Bible says the angel came to him and he looked at him and he said that look because of the way you live, your prayers and your arms, your continual compassion for other people, your capacity to give has brought your matter into attendance of God and he caused things to shift and so Jesus is wild with the centurion he's wild with his faith because he says you don't have to come with me just simply speak a word and God said I've not seen this kind of faith even amongst the chosen even amongst the Israelites even amongst the people that I came for because they've become so attached to their heritage they have not developed a personal relationship with me and so he said the people would come from the east and from the west and they would find that they would have access to sit with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven but meanwhile the descendants of the promise will not get entry or access to the kingdom they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth they'll be heresy, they'll be shouting how can you reject me I did this in your name that in your name. They'll say, get behind me. I don't know you. It says, I need people now that are ready to step into their personal relationship with me. They will chase after me with such level of hunger and appetite that their lives be provoked into change. That you see the results of the kingdom of heaven all over you because you stood up now and you said, God, I want my own relationship with you. I want my own understanding of you. Step into sonship. Step into sonship. Right after that, the Bible says, put away these elementary things. Put away these elementary things. Something that your life is defined just by being ABC. The Bible says the law came so that sit by the bound. The things of the law, they're not what's important. Relationship is far more important. When you have that relationship, everything else will come. Put away the elementary things and set your eyes on the Father. One thing that I desire of the Lord, that one thing will answer for that I might dwell Desire of the Lord. Opportunity for you to get in front of the Father for yourself. 